We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? The season is approaching, Nicholas. It is. We still have plenty of topics to cover before we get into our preview stuff and some more of our other off-season episodes. But, Jack, what are we talking about today? Well, we've got a few topics, Nick. This is probably the final news one. The Google Doc will finally be put to bed. <laughs> I can delete it, put it to the put it to the archives. First piece of news is a little bit of a piece of news uh, dropped by Sean Sarani earlier in the week. Uh, Devontae Kaycock, a 24-year-old power forward who played a few games at the Lakers, uh, has been offered a training camp contract. Nick, what do you think about this You know, initial signing? We also did see NBA, uh, the Nets NBA.com website also uh, write a little bit about it as well. What are we thinking on, on Kaycock and, and maybe his chances to get on the Nets? Or would you prefer it to, to be a, a David Duke Jr.? Yeah, I think I'd prefer David Duke Jr. at this point. But, you know, you bring him to camp, see what he can do. If he impresses, maybe he gets that two-way spot. Obviously, it's not like there's a ton of tape on this guy. Didn't necessarily play a ton of NBA games either. So just kind of wait and see. Not the craziest news, just a little sprinkle for training camp. For the record, um, he in the G League, he finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, he averaged 19.4 points, 11.9 rebounds, 1.1 steals, and 0.4 blocks. So there's something there for him. There's something there, and he he, he went quite well uh, during the Summer League, I believe, as well. Obviously, we don't know a heap about him, but we will certainly be keeping an eye on him and his prospects within the Nets organization. Uh, he's certainly got uh, some seals up his sleeve, no doubt about that. But, um, Nick, we, we're going to get to, I guess... A lot of ESPN projections have been dropping left, right, and center, and there's a, a few little tidbits I wanted to, to throw at you. So, obviously, the Nets are the championship favorites by a, a long margin you know, via ESPN and their website and all their ESPN Plus stuff. But there's a few other little tidbits that I wanted to throw at you as well. So, Kevin Durant uh, was tied for uh, the league's best player alongside Giannis. They believe Patty Mills was one of the best moves of the offseason. But Brooklyn not re-signing Jeff Green was one of the worst. What are your thoughts, I guess, on ESPN's analysis of the Brooklyn Nets offseason and their chances heading into the 2021-22 season? Yeah, I mean, you know, all those points, I think it was like a different panel of guys or different scouts in this uh, article. Obviously, Kevin Durant tied with Giannis for the top for best player in the league 
makes a ton of sense. Obviously, we think KD's the best player. Giannis did just win a championship and won finals MVP, had some incredible performances. And typically when that happens, you know, a lot of people view you as the best player of the league. It happened to Kawhi a few years ago when he won with Toronto. But uh, getting to the Patty Mills and Jeff Green thing, it's kind of ironic to an extent. You know, you have the best move, which is Patty Mills. And the only way they could sign Patty Mills was if they didn't re-sign Jeff Green. So it's kind of like, you know, pick which one you want in that situation. And given what the Nets were able to acquire later in the offseason and other veteran bigs, I'm fine with that move. Obviously, no one really replicates exactly what Jeff Green did for the Nets last year. But also there's guys that could fill in the role in a different way or maybe have other pluses of the games where they might have minuses in some of the areas that Jeff Green was really good. And obviously being favored to win the NBA title. I don't think that's a surprise. You know, like you mentioned earlier, Jack, you know, a lot of the gambling spots have them as the top team to win by a large margin and just all the talent on this team screams championship long as the team is able to maintain health. So no huge surprise for me. Um, obviously, the Nets are going to get talked about a lot, given the team, the talent and the expectation. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll start with, I guess, the Kevin Durant being voted as the league's best player by ESPN. Despite what uh, all the Bucks fans are saying in my mentions <laughs> right now, it, it's pretty... And look, I, I put out a highlight, and I didn't... Ex- I, it feels like I, I have, like, a, a sense of what can get people riled up on Twitter right now, and I'm just trying to do it right now, heading into the, to the season, trying to get a few Nets followers uh, on my side, but... In all honesty, Nick, it's if you watch basketball with some sense of objective lens and you say that anyone is better than Kevin Durant right now, then the reasoning behind it is just because you value for some reason. You just go, okay, well, this guy won the championship and he's on the best player and he won the finals MVP. So it's you had that reductive way of, of analyzing the NBA, which I don't believe in. Kevin Durant's the best player in the league, no doubt about that. Paddy Mills, obviously, we... I could speak about, I, I, I think that maybe I got a, a sneak little byline in there, so I stuck a little email to Brian Windhorst to make sure that he shared out Paddy Mills uh, as being one of the best moves of the offseason. I think, like we've mentioned before, the fact that other teams who are clamoring after him and the Warriors and the Lakers not landing him also adds yep. to the, the gravity of the signing. And not re-signing Jeff Green, obviously, we spoke so glowingly of of his performances with the Nets last season, the best vet minimum signing we've seen in many, many a year. Um, but his role is going to be different in Denver. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do there. I don't think his value is going to be as great there. I, I do think that losing him and having him replaced by essentially James Johnson, you can throw in Paul Millsap, I guess, but as just a, a pure sort of wing guy, James Johnson is that dude isn't the worst thing in the world because it's essentially vet minimum for vet minimum. Um, and if you're telling me who I'd rather have out of Paddy Mills and Jeff Green, I'd probably lean Paddy Mills, but that's probably speaking with the subjective lens. And I think Jeff Green could provide more value just given, you know, his skill set. Um, and, you know, he had some pretty great postseason performances alongside Kevin Durant. You can make an argument that, you know, outside of him, he was their best postseason performer because he was healthy and put up some 20 pieces and Joe Harris wasn't able to really step up. So, it will but be he missed some games too. He missed the early games in the Bucks series where the Nets were kind of dominating without him. You know what I mean? So I think you could make an argument where, you know, Patty Mills is a bigger safety net for the Nets because he could fill in a role similar to a Kyrie Irving if he were to get hurt or even just give more guard help if Harden were to get hurt again where 
Jeff Green's not going to be able to replicate what KD does. And if KD's out, then the Nets are kind of screwed. And I think the Nets were able to still operate a high level without Jeff Green. Obviously, there's certain matchups where they still would kind of miss him. But like you mentioned, James Johnson probably gives you a little bit more toughness in defense, but not the same offensive pop of Jeff Green. And then Paul Millsaps gives you like more of that truer big. But also in this situation, you feel more comfortable probably playing KD at the four more because you actually have a LaMarcus Aldridge healthy, hopefully through the entire year. So now it's like, okay, Maybe we don't really need Jeff Green. And I'd say this. I feel like we were probably overrating him a touch defensively last year, just given, you know, the rest of the team wasn't necessarily amazing during the regular season. He was one guy who kind of stuck out. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how the Nets look without him out there in certain situations. And if other guys can step up defensively and make you, I don't want to say forget about him, but just kind of ease the loss. Yeah, I think uh, the scheme that the Nets do play with the switching scheme requires, you know, a, a level of team defense. Yep. You know, rather, and obviously you need decent enough individual isolation defenders, but you need to be smart enough not to get those guys isolated. Um, for me, I just think of Paddy Mills, Kyrie Irving as probably yep. prime A, prime B candidates, and James Harden if he's down on the perimeter too, because you know we've seen some some nice thought pieces on on, on James Harden and his post defense. But yeah, I think Paddy Mills is basically replacing Landry Shaman and Mike. James and Landry Shaman gave us very little and Mike James despite what you think Nick was an absolute no he, he had one sort of like 20 point performance um, in the absence of, of some of our guards and I thought he was alright but I think he's in Russia or Turkey right now um, hopefully still active on Twitter because uh, he's going to be a Nets a Nets, Nets lover and Nets fan for, forever but yeah interesting to see the ESPN love and one little thing Nick before we do move on Apparently, they voted uh, Steve Nash as one of the Coach of the Year candidates, second only behind Eric Spolstra. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know some people aren't very big Nash fans in terms of his coaching style, his philosophy and such. Do you think that he has a greater chance this season than the last year? Because obviously losing Mike D'Antoni, um, I think is a, a pretty pronounced loss. Uh, uh, Jacques Vaughn, I think. Is, is Jacques Vaughn still around or is he in North? Yeah, Jacques Vaughn is still around. So thankfully, Jacques Vaughn is still around, but I think the loss of Mike D'Antoni is probably his number one prime A mentor. Um, might be a, a little bit of an issue for him, but I, I think... I rated his first season as a rookie head coach. I thought that, and I think that the collaboration, you know, that he has preached ever since being hired uh, is something that plays into his favor. And it's sort of like Coach Cal or, no, Coach Krzyzewski um, at previous sort of Team USA sort of performances where it's sort of like, you know, you talk to the players and you get their input and that sort of thing. And uh, it's sort of not necessarily a... A Greg Povich sort of utilitarian sort of thing, one guy telling you what to do, all that sort of thing. But uh, I think he's, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the number one candidate because the way Coach of the Year generally does go is you have to exceed expectations. And to exceed expectations for the Nets, the Nets would have to play as well as the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors and actually win the championship after it to exceed expectations that are currently put upon them. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, though, is like the best team in the league. If they have like, say, let's say the Nets have like 65 or 67 wins. The next closest team is like 50 something. You know, they might just be like, you know, this team needs to get awards because I feel like that does happen sometimes. But getting to Nash last year, I thought he was pretty good. Like he wasn't amazing. He wasn't the reason the Nets won a ton of games. He also wasn't the reason they lost a lot of games. I think this year you're looking for more creativity. And obviously the collaboration, which you brought up, but also at some points kind of being like, you know, I want to do this because he is a great basketball mind. We've seen what he was able to do as an NBA player, as a point guard. So like, 
I think there's a little bit more for Nash to unlock this year. But it's going to be really interesting, like you said, Jack, depending on how like the media looks at the Nets and favors them and, you know, who deserves what, who's responsible for what, because there's so much talent, so much expectations. Like, who who are we expecting like to be better than expected or, or if they just hit that level, are they going to get awards? No, that's absolutely fair, Nick. And I guess we, we've got a bit to get to. And as much as I'd love to dive deep on, on all of these pieces rather than smash out all of these topics, uh, a, a piece from NBA.com, there was 10 key questions. And the, the question number one was the one that related to our beloved Nets. And it was, the Nets are clearly the team to beat in 21-22. Agree or disagree? Nick, agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, if the Nets are healthy, I mean, they're clearly the team to beat. You know, if there's one injury, then maybe it's kind of more of a toss-up. But just given the talent and the depth and the versatility this roster has, the different lineups and the combinations they can throw at you is really incredible. There's just so many different things, and there's so many vets and so many experienced guys that you can expect to step up in different situations if need be. And even just like a little icing on the cake when you add, you know, Paul Millsap or Marcus Aldridge or even like talking about Patty Mills and the extra offensive pop that's already added to an all-time great offense, at least based off the talent. So I think they're clearly the team to be, and I think a lot of people around the NBA think that. Yeah, look, the the PCR is a little bit of a byline at NBA.com if you want to check it out. The 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 person, the writer, disagrees because of you know, you you mentioned health. Well, that was their big question last year and it prevented us from winning the championship. So yep. I think that it's it's fair to disagree on those grounds, but to just disagree on any other grounds, um, I think is uh, a little bit silly uh, because we know how talented this team is and the additions they made in the offseason have only strengthened their, their candidacy for winning uh, the Larry OB. But it is going to be a big question, Nick. And look, you, you look at the uh, what happened last year and the fact that you know James Harden, a, a notoriously healthy and available player, became unavailable. And we'll get to his news uh, in, in a little bit. Um, and Kyrie Irving, obviously, is a guy that rarely plays anything more than 65 games in the regular season. And Kevin Durant, you know, he had a big offseason playing for Team USA as well. You know, he played 30, 40 regular season games for the Nets. He was incredibly healthy uh, when we needed him most. And I think that that is just going to be what matters. If the Nets are healthy when it matters most, but freak things do happen. Giannis steps on ankles and James Harden does hamstrings. Uh, there's weird things that can happen in this in this NBA league. And hopefully those, those things don't happen because the Nets have a, a little bit of leeway and they're able to manage the players that they they want to best but it is the biggest the biggest thing the uh, the biggest enemy of the nets is themselves yep it really is and i mean some of the coaches always say this nba players say this sometimes too is that there's a little luck you know you look at all the warriors runs they were pretty healthy majority of the time or at least guys were able to come back and only miss a few games here and there so the nets can at least have you know majority of their players healthy i feel like this year they're better suited to deal with some minor injuries than they were last year against the bucks but again health is the most important thing going into the postseason and the regular season yeah definitely so um, we touched on james Harden's health there nick and we spoke about this video a little bit um, from at Harden Barbecue. Absolute must follow for any James Harden and Nets fan. Post some amazing James Harden content that I have no idea how they get, um, but they're, they're, they've got some great sources there. Nick, the I think the number one thing I wanted to throw at you is that the quote as he was sort of revving up some of these these young guys playing playing some hoops is he said that I'm kind of still in rehab. 
Now, mm. we have no idea. We should have got Hard Nobby here on the show to ask them uh, about the, the timing of this video. I did actually ask him, and I'll provide that in a little bit. Now, do you think that his hamstring is still affecting his conditioning, his health, heading into to training camp, heading into the preseason? Because, you know, we're less than a month away or around a month away until the, the big games start to kick on. Uh, what are your thoughts, I guess, for, for James Harden and uh, I guess this sort of mini quote that we'll talk about? Yeah, I think hamstrings tend to linger and they're definitely an injury in which you can re-injure very easily, which happened to Harden. You know you know what I mean? Like he had at the end of the regular season, missed some time, came back for the Boston series. And then early on in the Bucks series, literally a few minutes into the game one, he re-injured that hamstring. So I'm not surprised you want to kind of take the easy load on the hamstring. It's not like you want to try to push that to a higher extent because there's so much tension there. And obviously it's something you consistently use when you're trading on a regular basis. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of more so like the, the hamstring is majority healed. He's just not trying to push it to its highest extent yet and kind of working it up slowly so he can get to the workload in which he wants to be at. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets give him an easy training camp and he maybe doesn't even play all the preseason games just because that's something you have to be extremely careful with. Yeah, look, uh, the the kind of selling rehab is is an interesting point. I, I asked Hard Barbecue about what they sort of thought on those comments, and they think that they'll be back by the, the preseason and that this might have been an older clip. But at the same time, Harden has been, I mean, it, again, we're, we're analyzing based off Instagram videos and photos and such. He looks quite healthy, fit, and trim in comparison to when he did come back from the hamstring injury. Obviously, he wasn't able to do any workouts and, you know, you, you lose your conditioning and that sort of sense. And James Harden has made it a a big indication the prior and priority that you know conditioning getting getting his body right um has been the number one thing so I, i'm intrigued to know if you know how he has been able to get himself you know back into shape and in and, and game ready while still dealing with his hamstring injury you know whether the, the the he's been on the bike or you know the the sort of loads on the the, the certain muscles and because he, he's looking pretty good even in this video you know, and, you know, even in party videos that we're seeing from his birthday and, and different sort of, you know, uh, events and such, he's looking in pretty good shape. And again, yeah. we're analyzing based off Instagram videos and such. But for me, do, what are your thoughts, I guess, on that, Nick? Because what we saw of him in June against the Milwaukee Bucks was, you know, a player that was clearly out of shape and with good reason because he was coming back and was probably having to, you know, literally put his leg up ice for 12 hours a day and probably couldn't do anything. Whereas now we're seeing him work out, play some hoops, go to some parties, and he looks in decent enough shape. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think a big component of being fit and healthy is your diet. So obviously, even if he's not able to work out the same level he wants to while he's kind of rehabbing that hamstring, he's, you know, maybe taking care of his body in other ways better. I'm not really sure. Obviously, we don't have the full details, but if he comes in the shape, uh, comes to camp in really good shape, that gives you, you know, a positive mindset that maybe he's trying to take that next step. And it's pretty common for older players to kind of get lighter. You know, you typically that extra weight you were used to be able to carry when you were younger will lead to some injuries, specifically something like a, a hamstring or something like that. So uh, I think it's good, you know, and maybe like, you know, hanging around Kevin Durant obviously takes great care of his body as well. Just all these guys realizing like, hey, this is a moment. We were so close to being there and you don't want to be the in the injury to be the thing that holds you back. So I'm really happy to see James Harden like this. But like you said, it's Instagram, social media. How much do we really look into it? We'll see. We'll have a better idea when we see the games actually being played. 
Yeah, even media days and such where you'll yep. get asked those things and we'll be analysing every single little word that he says, but we'll also analysing the words of Chris Paulnick, former teammate of James Harden. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I listened on the No Chill podcast, and James, I still say it, nobody can score it like him. It's crazy, man. Nick, is James Harden the best scorer in the NBA? I think James Harden is maybe the most productive scorer in the NBA. He can put you up the most... like, stole my thoughts. I don't know, like, <laughs> whether you incept me, whether I just spend too much time talking to you about basketball and other related fun things. I don't know. Like, get out of my mind. <laughs> I think the best scorer is the other guy on his team, Kevin Durant. And, I mean, even Kyrie is, you know, as just a skilled scorer as those guys as well. So, I think James, though is just so productive in just the way he goes about it and just like, hey, he's going to constantly just pound it. You know what I mean? He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to get some layups. He's going to have to step back three. He doesn't necessarily have the same versatile bag that Kevin Durant has or even Kyrie Irving has. He has obviously a ton of moves, but the moves that he does rely on and the way he manipulates the defense allows him to just produce at an extremely high level consistently. Yeah, I mean, if we're comparing him to, you know, his two teammates who are probably in the top five, if not top four or three, you know, James Harden, the reliability to score, yep. I think is, you know, you want a bucket, let him take that step back. You want a bucket, let him take that floater. You want a bucket, let him get to the line. He's going to get you points. Whereas when the timing does occur, yes, Kai can get you that shot and he's going to get a shot off, but it might be an incredibly difficult shot. Yeah. And it's just like, God, why'd you take that shot? You could have gotten a, a much easier one. Whereas James Harden will find and make an easier shot. And on the other hand, Kevin Durant will make any shot look easy. It doesn't matter yeah. where it is on the floor, who it is that's guarding him and whatever position it is, he's going to get you two, three points um, in his slip with his eyes closed. So, and obviously Kevin Durant has the advantages of being seven foot freaking one with arms that are longer than a goddamn tarantula crossed with the red back spider. I don't even <laughs> uh, 
what I'm trying to say right now. But yeah, I think that the reliability, productivity, however you define best, Nick, you know, you can if you want to throw LeBron James in there in a similar sort of vein. But I think that if Harden had a mid-range game, you know, like Kai, um, and we'd sort of shoot like two mid-range shots, I think that we lost our minds over for the next this year. It's just like, oh, Steve Nash is letting him shoot mid-ranges now. Yeah. And he just didn't take them at all for the rest of the year. Uh, if he had a mid-range game, and maybe he's working on that in a little bit, maybe Katie's uh, getting in his ear a little bit, who knows. But if he had that third level of scoring in terms of, I mean, his float was essentially like a mid-ranger to him. But uh, for me, that's why I give the the advantage to uh, the Slim Reaper. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument that he's the best offensive player in the Nets in terms of just his playmaking and his, you know, scoring isn't so far behind the other guys where it's like that big of a mark. So, you know, Harden does a lot of amazing things in the court. I'm really looking forward to watching him play with the other stars and the other guys in this team for an entire year, fully healthy with a training camp, getting everybody kind of in sync. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to his backcourt teammate, his point guard teammate. Oh, uh, yeah, no, shooting guard, shooting guard. Uh, sorry, DeAndre, I misquoted you, my dude. Um, it's, already, it's only been like two weeks since he's been off the team, and I'm already getting <laughs> to say. Um, but, Nick, we heard a lot of rumblings about Kyrie Irving of late. Um, tweets popping off here and there. A nice article by Basketball News from uh, Ethan Thomas. Ethan Thomas um, saying that, and uh, a big quote from this was, uh, taken from Isaiah Thomas uh, Detroit, of Detroit Pistons fame. Uh, and he basically alluded to the fact that the Nets can't win the championship without Kyrie Irving. Um, and Nick, I guess this is the quote in full to provide the context to it. And do check out that article because it is a, a pretty illuminating piece on Kyrie Irving as a figure within the NBA. Uh, he wrote, uh, sorry, he said, Isaiah, the Brooklyn Nets with the team constructed the way it currently is will not win the championship if Kyrie is not there. Nick, do you agree with uh, the Isaiah... Do you agree with IT here? I mean, here's the thing. If you take the third best player off any championship team, they're going to be a lot less. You know what I mean? They're not going to be as good. But I think given the Nets situation, they could win a championship with just James Harden and Kevin Durant, given that's two top five, two top seven players, whatever it is. But if Kyrie's there, that's another luxury, and that's just another element to the team that makes them clear-cut favorites. If it's just Harden and KD... I still think they're probably at the top of the list, but Kyrie's just that extra element that gives you that other isolation score where we saw at times it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to give attention to Kevin Durant, give attention to James Harden. All right, Kyrie's just going to go off. You know what I mean? So it's just that extra element. I don't think it's impossible for them to win without him, but with him, they're just in an even bigger monster. Yeah, look, the, I might as well throw in the, the topic that we got next in here as well because we're doing a bit of finals talk. Jared Allen, a couple of weeks ago, was on SiriusXM Radio sort of saying that, you know, he he wanted to be on the Nets to help them win the championship when they were sort of struggling. You can make a credible argument that with anything other than a, a very, very depleted Joe Harris, James Harden on one leg, you had one capable rotation starting NBA player playing alongside Kevin Durant that the Nets do win it because they almost did against the champions. And obviously, the, they didn't really have many injury issues. Obviously, Giannis had his his sort of stuff, but wasn't happening in, in our series in terms of his injury issues. So I think you can make a very credible argument uh, that if the Nets don't have Kyrie, they can still win it all. Now, I, yeah. I think he's incredibly important. I don't think that takes away from him. I just think that that is a, a, such a, a big crediting factor and such a big plus to what the Nets have with their depth and how how amazing, you know, the NBA superstars actually are. You know, that you can still have James Harden and Kevin Durant and still win it. And you can have Kevin Durant and 
Paddy Mills and still win it, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully, we don't have to answer that question. Um, but I also do think that the, this quote is also worth mentioning, Nick, and uh, our boy, uh, Joe underscore McCart, Joey101 on Twitter, talked about, I guess, Kyrie Irving's character. And he wrote, um, this was one of the quotes that I thought was pretty pertinent. They just want him to shut up and play basketball. He has other things he feels passionately about, and there's nothing wrong with that. He wants to make a difference in the world, and that's what he is doing. He has a huge heart and the financial ability to make a change. I think that's something that is probably going to get lost to, to the wayside, so I'm glad that um, our boy Joe put it out there because uh, the character of, of Kyrie uh, gets lost a lot. Yes, he can... I talked about on, on JBT, which returned um, earlier in the week, you know, about some of his controversial stuff and the whole mask thing, which is a little bit silly. But ultimately, the, a person's character is defined by their actions and their action and Kyrie Irving's actions off the court are some of the, the, the best that we've seen, you know, the philanthropy and the, the ability to help others and to form an identity um, as, as such a person is, is something that shouldn't go unnoticed. And, Thankfully, we have the book and buzz to be able to illuminate that on a regular basis. But uh, it, the one thing I do like is that he does like to do a lot of the things behind the scenes. The, I, I think the best people are the ones that do their do their work behind the scenes and aren't asking credit for it. And you know, whether it's giving a, a, a random dude or a, a just you know a, a large worth of money, um, he's not doing this for the cloud. He's doing it because it's it's just true and it's what's in his heart. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously that quote says a lot, and that's kind of the feel that you get with Kyrie with certain media guys because, like you said, they're not talking about the positive things. They're just trying to point out the negative things. And even, like, a lot of the the platforms and the media that cover him don't obviously put in the time to do the research or really even just care. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're trying to get the headlines, get the attention, and sometimes positive stuff doesn't do that. Most of the time it yeah. doesn't do that. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So, but... One other thing on Kyrie and Nick, we were discussed this uh, a little bit of, uh, a little while ago, but we got a bit of time now. Uh, Christian Winfield of New York Daily News fame put out an article sort of comparing the rosters of uh, the Lakers and the Nets. And obviously, they're they're pretty solid and set in stone as they are now, you know, barring a few two ways and such. But he he made the argument that Russell Westbrook is a better player right now than Kyrie Irving. Nick, I'll ask you that. Is that so? And do the Lakers have a better roster than the Brooklyn Nets? You already know my answers to these questions, Jack. No, um, obviously, I think Kyrie's a better player, especially at this point. You know, we were making this argument, you know, four years ago or something. You know, Russell Westbrook's probably the better guy. I think the injuries have kind of caught up to him. His defense has really dropped off, and his fit in different situations is questionable. Where Kyrie, I think, can fit and do a lot of different things to your team, play on ball, off ball, obviously can score at all different levels where – Westbrook, it's yet to be seen how well he can really complement other stars. And getting to the Nets and Lakers roster, you know, I thought the Lakers had a really good offseason considering the resources they had to acquire players. But still, the Nets have the advantage because they have the better big three, but they also have some of these really quality role players, like these good role players in a Joe Harris, a Blake Griffin, a Patty Mills, or guys that, you know, you really want to have in your team. They're not that minimum guys. Obviously, Blake signed to that deal, but I think if he was on the market, he would have gotten more money. So it's an easy question for me. Obviously, the big thing is still, you know, health. But I think also like looking at the Lakers roster, we've talked about this before, probably off air defensively, they were so good. And now some of the pieces they brought in 
are only one side of the basketball. It's either offense or defense. There's not a lot of those two-way guys, no KCP, no Danny Green, and I feel like that's what's really going to hurt them later down. Not to say that the Nets are full of two-way guys, but they more so double down on their identity. Where the Lakers, there's even questions of, like, how do these guys really support LeBron? Like, LeBron's at best when he has multiple shooters on the floor. Now it's like, do I give LeBron shooters or do I have a competent defense? Yeah, there's. I think that they've got some good pieces. I think yep. that it's about making it all fit, whereas we know that it can all fit with the Nets and the, what they did add is just going to complement the strengths even further and maybe even fill in a few gaps here and there because you just know what, what it's going to be, whereas there's some question marks, I think, around the Lakers roster. Now, in saying that, I wouldn't hate to have a Trevor Ariza. We spoke about him pretty consistently. You know, I'm trying to be as objective and see the other side as possible. Kent Bazemore, I think, is, is a decent piece. But you know, guys like Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, while they've got talent, I don't think that they're... I think that they're being slightly overrated. And if you watch their what they did with their former teams, uh, you know how they are going to fit alongside, um, you know LeBron, AD, and and complement them is going to be you know a, a key to not only their individual success but their team success. Whereas you know Patty Mills, we know can complement superstars. He's yep. won championships doing that. Um, we know Paul Millsap can do that. He did it alongside. Nikola Jokic uh, and was doing it for, for years in Atlanta as well. Obviously, you know, his age is the, is the big thing. Lamarcus Aldridge, it's about his health. Uh, Blake Griffin, you know, all these sort of things. You know, the, the Nets are in a pretty good spot, Nick. And as for the Westbrook versus Kyrie comment, I'll throw something out there that I think I did on JVT as well. Um, that I think it's a, you can make a credible argument that Spencer Dinwiddie is, uh, is on the same level and in the same realm as Russell Westbrook because of the level of reliability and you know what you're going to get night after night from him. Plus he can hit a three ball. Plus he's not going to hijack the offense and defense with just erratic play. Whereas Russell Westbrook can, it's, I, I said this to, to Nick Busink, um, who is a big Wizards fan and, and knows all about the Russell Westbrook experience. You're probably going to get what we got in Houston and, 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 in, and in Washington with Westbrook in LA. You get half a season of just goddamn awesomeness, triple doubles left, right, and center, and everyone loving him. And you get another half season where it's just like, man, why did we trade for this guy? Because that's exactly what he produced for Houston, and it's exactly what he produced for Washington. And he'll be fringe all NBA because his highs are as high as any other player that we've ever seen because you know, he is just a, a, a behemoth and a, and a menace when he's on the floor. But boy, can his lows be low. And, and look, I, I'm more comfortable with Kyrie Irving defensively. And I never thought I would say that about Kyrie Irving when I'm talking about another player because we know it's a big weakness of his. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we're sort of saying how teams are targeting Kyrie Irving. But, you know, in the absence of the two superstars, Kyrie Irving really stepped up on that side of the floor. I thought his effort really improved there. I like his hands. Um, whereas Westbrook is just, uh, he's a gambler at the very, and that's yep. probably the best thing I can say about him. So, uh, putting Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook in the same vein uh, seems a little bit, I don't know, overre- overreactionary, um, to say the least. Uh, I just think that you look at, it's like I don't know, putting Andre Drummond as a defensive player of the year candidate. You just <laughs> look at what box scores are there, and he's, uh, he goes, oh, well, there's a lot of assists there for the past five seasons, and he puts up a lot of points, but you look at the efficiency, you look at the impact on winning. Uh, look, uh, I just think that Kyrie Irving is a, is a far, far better player. Top 20-ish sort of range, whereas Russell Westbrook would struggle to put in the 30, even though of all, all the, the gifts that he does possess. 
Yeah, I think, you know, people probably look at Westbrook and he's more productive to the extent of he's filling up the stat sheet with the rebounds and the assists, like you said, and obviously the points are still pretty high. The real thing is when you get to the postseason where Westbrook can almost be eliminated or he can be so sporadic where you're more confident in the ability of Kyrie Irving and the skill to his game and the multiple elements in which he can score and impact the game where Westbrook's kind of just like attack you head on type things. And it's it's interesting to see how that's really going to fit. Like I'm very intrigued by the Lakers and how that's all going to kind of gel together and what type of combinations really work out best. And, you know, maybe there's times where they play better without Westbrook and, you know, maybe you can make an argument for that with Kyrie on the nets, but I think it's a lot easier to make it about Westbrook and the Lakers saying that there's lineups that are going to unlock LeBron and AD, especially in their pick and roll situation with Westbrook off the floor. Yeah, I mean, I I made this point on Twitter. I don't know when. I've putting too many goddamn tweets lately. Being in lockdown, um, but I, I said that Buddy Hield would have been a better. They should have traded for him over Russell Westbrook just because I thought it would have been a better fit, um, and I probably would have been more worried about them. I think that there is a a there's 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 a catastrophic potential with. Uh, Russell Westbrook on that team. Um, it's going to be fun to, to watch. Um, so, yeah, our, our Western Conference rivals see how it does all pan out. But I'm pretty and confident. And I got one more point on the Lakers, too. Everyone like wants to bring up the Nets being so injury-prone. But looking at the Lakers, you're talking about Russell Westbrook, who's had, I think, at this point, like six knee surgeries. You have Anthony Davis, who's constantly banged up. And we saw LeBron deal with injuries two of the last three seasons. So they're in a very similar boat to the Nets in terms of injuries. Obviously, some of the Nets guys have been injured a little bit more and had maybe more serious injuries. But given the age of some of those guys, too, especially their entire roster, you look at it as like, all right, the Lakers are somewhat fragile as well. So I think that's a somewhat poor argument that you consistently hear with Lakers versus Nets. Both teams have injury concerns. Yeah, and I think the age thing is, look, the Nets got some old players as well, but I think that the Nets aren't going to be relying on their older players as much as the Lakers are going to be. I mean, their their best player is their oldest player, one of the oldest players in the league. And I think we saw some steps back from him, but maybe that was due to injury concerns and Solomon Hill and whatever. But at the same time, there's more question marks around the Los Angeles Lakers than I think the Brooklyn Nets. But the Nets probably have the the biggest question that can't be answered in in their health. And it's just going to be, like you said, Nick, a mixture of luck, management, and all those different things. And if that is a question that is you know, answered positively for the Bruin Nets, then I'm pretty confident how this season and postseason does turn out. But a, a person who, a, a person and people that will be playing uh, a decent uh, role in that is new Brooklyn Nets assistant coach, uh, Steve Clifford, Nick. And he, he talked to his, his hometown press in Maine. And this is, you know, Nets Daily uh, aggregating some of the stuff. Uh, he said that he's, he's looking forward to the positive vibe that is in Brooklyn. And he said this about the Nets. He chose to work the Nets instead of pursuing a gig as an assistant head coach working elsewhere. I'm here a lot of this month and through training camp, and I'll be more of a resource. I'll be watching a lot of film uh, most of the time, but I'll still be living in Orlando. I'll visit with the team once or twice a month and just take direction from Steve Nash, whatever he wants me to do. It's kind of ever-evolving. Right now, it's we're here for coaches' meetings. Guys are in working out. It's really training camp, talking about the plan for the year, watching some film, a lot of studying and meeting for discussions. What are your thoughts on at Steve Clifford's role? Do you think it'll be lesser uh, than, I guess, what we probably forecast? Yeah, no, I think it's going to be about the same. It was always reported as kind of a coaching consultant, so I didn't necessarily anticipate him having to be at every game just because that's where the wear and tear really happens. You know what I mean? I thought maybe he'd be at the home games and not the away games, but at this point in time, 
given what we just had to deal with, you know, with the pandemic and still ongoing with a lot of like Zoom and video meetings and stuff like that, I'm sure it's not really going to be that big a deal. And he's more so to kind of have input in different ways and kind of be that veteran voice almost for Steve Nash on the staff. So I think this role will suit him well and also allow Steve Clifford to deal with his own health. You know, that's been a concern for him the last couple of years has dealt with some different things and there's probably less stress and kind of an easier load. I wouldn't be super surprised if he ends up being around more when it gets later in the season and closer to the postseason, just given what he can provide the team and just just all the different input he can have, especially from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, look, I think that he's a great basketball mind, a, 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 an invaluable resource to have on the Brooklyn Nets, just given his experience within the NBA and what he did with Orlando, making them a, a credible NBA organization. Uh, despite the the years of ineptitude out there is is a massive I think tick to him and probably he's the big biggest reason for that. So I'm excited to see what he can provide this team. Um, I, I just like the well, obviously he's talking about the, that sort of you know we're talking with each other all this sort of thing and again, I get I, I harp on the collaborative element that I'm a I'm a big fan of in in any walk of life and you know as a a person who's in a team teaching environment uh, in my own profession Nick I'm all about collaboration you know I don't do this podcast by myself speaking for 45 minutes I think I'd I'd get sick of my own voice I already do when I'm hosting but these pods uh, you do a great job of doing that but uh, we'll get to Kyle Corver as well Nick and uh, I, I guess the the biggest role that I think Hill's going to have is is around uh, helping free throw shooting. Uh, Sham Sarani, uh, uh, this is about a month ago in his stadium video, says that among Kyle Corbett's priorities is helping the Nets' bigs at the line. Uh, obviously, Nicholas Claxton was 48% from there. Damon Sharp, 51% um, when he was at, at college. And I sort of posted a video of him and his time um, at Milwaukee, and he was sort of talking to Costas uh, 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 Kumpo at the free throw line with, in a really sort of engaging manner. I think that... You have seen him on TNT uh, as well as a, a bit of an analyst there. Um, he's one of the best free throw shooters in the history of the game. Uh, I think that the the little things that he can sort of provide um, in that sort of regard uh, and provide those guys with just you know, routines and confidence, um, I think could provide could make you. We saw you know DJ have a massive sort of turnaround. We've seen Jared Allen you know become a seventy sort of percent. Uh, free throw shooter DJ obviously uh, has been inconsistent and obviously not with the team anymore. But you know, free throw shooting for me, Nick, is, is something that I love. I mentioned a lot with Cam Thomas, who we'll touch on a little bit later in the episode. But uh, I'm I'm intrigued and excited to see um, what the sharpshooter, uh, now assistant coach, can give us. Yeah, I mean, even if we can get it clacks up to a respectable percentage and not even the other guys, I mean, that would be a huge win. And obviously just the input and guy who understands shooting to the highest level, like if it's a couple free throws throughout the year, that could be the difference in a couple wins. And when it comes to the postseason, one or two free throws could change the game. I mean, even looking back to game seven against the Bucks, I believe Bruce Brown missed some free throws in the fourth quarter. If he knocks down one of those, the Nets might be NBA champions right now. So every little bit is going to have an impact. And I just love the fact that the Nets kind of continue to try to get better in every way they can. You know what I mean? It's not just like, hey, let's add players. We're going to add coaches. We're going to add consultants. These guys are going to help us kind of add those little details, which can be the difference in a championship season or a season where you're going home. 
That's it. That's it. Uh, Nick, and speaking of Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas, uh, we didn't get a chance to discuss this previously, but uh, he's been signed by Adidas and has a deal with Adidas and he joins uh, in terms of this year's draft picks. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. They're pretty uh, high up picks. And obviously his backcourt mate uh, in James Harden, as well as Candace Parker, Damian Lillard, Chinay Agumike, uh, Anthony Edwards and Liz Cambridge uh, as, as players who are with the company. Nick, are you now team Adidas, or are you still rocking the Nikes, my dude? Still rocking the Nikes. I mean, it's good for Adidas, you know, keep adding some guys over there. Obviously, um, in the U.S., Nike is kind of still the king over here. And obviously, you have, you know, Kyrie and Katie still rock the Nikes, and they just kind of drop better stuff at this point. So, but good for Cam Thomas to get that big deal and kind of, you know, make some extra money on the side. You can just imagine like Cam Thomas's sort of you know marketing campaigns would be incredibly like just cool. Like the dude just oozes coolness, and um, I can't wait to rep some of his apparel because you know I've always sort of been an Adidas guy when it comes to apparel, uh, but when it comes to you know basketball shoes and basketball you know uh, uh, on the court stuff and and fashion sort of stuff, I'm always repping Nike uh, much yeah. more so, especially the Kyrie's, but. Um, I've got a James Harden t-shirt. That's another last one. Uh, I've got a couple of Nike t-shirts uh, as well. Um, I hope that we see uh, some cool Cam Thomas apparel. And look, it, it's it's rare to see that coming from guys that are, you know, a 27th pick in the draft. It just shows you that in the limited time of what he showed in the summer league is probably the standout candidate, the MVP of that tournament. Um, he's gonna he's got a bright bright future, I and mean, it is a multi-year a sneaker and apparel deal. So. Hopefully, we, could, we see some cool tees and hoodies from, from Killer Cam, um, and they better not be jacking uh, some of our ideas that they've heard on the buzz, or else uh, Adidas will be hearing from our lawyers. <laughs> I also think it helps, you know, he plays in the big market uh, in New York. He plays in the Nets, a championship team, and why not try to get in there early, you know, especially if he does pop off later on. So, smart move for Adidas, and I'm sure the contract is kind of protected for them as well. So, good for both sides. Good for both sides, indeed. Uh, Nick, we've seen some possible leaked NBA City City Edition jerseys, and I know uh, you were a, a bit of a fan of it. We didn't get to touch on it, but it's basically the blue, white, and red that's inspired from the, the New Jersey days. I mean, I got called a, a, a Brooklyn homer. I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of am, to be fair. I haven't been following the team as long as you have, Nick. But when you saw uh, this apparent leak, what were your thoughts? I do like the dark blue. I mean, I love the light blue. I've got those light blue shorts, which are one of my favorite uh, Nets apparel pieces. And summer, thankfully, is on its way after a goddamn cold winter. Um, but what are your thoughts on the, the Nets possible leaked City Edition jersey? Yeah, I think it looks great. I think anything that kind of collaborates with Brooklyn times New Jersey, you know what I mean? That type of situation is going to be cool because obviously they're still a lot of fans that were following the team from the New Jersey net days to the Brooklyn nets days. So kind of showing some love is awesome. And then also it just gives you like a different color scheme, you know, switch things up a little bit. So I'm a fan. I mean, most of these jerseys, like even if they do look bad, as soon as you see them on the players on the court, they don't necessarily look as bad either. So it's just kind of wait and see, and let's see how they handle the whole situation. And if they do also like the whole court change, like they did with the light blue ones last year, that was pretty sick. Yeah, dark blue always brings up my eyes as well. So I've got to add something, a bit of differentiation to just the black and white in the wardrobe. But speaking of white, Nick, we saw the black basket arts last year, which were great. We were both a fan of it. I know some people uh, weren't necessarily, but 
we've seen these white ones sort of popping around a little bit. And I must say, I think I like the white more than the black. Now, if you were to choose out the white and the black and I guess these new white ones and the New Jersey-inspired blue ones, where would you go with it? Yeah, I think between all three of them, Jack, you're saying, I would probably go with the the black just because, I mean, I think black just kind of holds up better in terms of like the color. The white kind of is going to get dirty quicker. And I just like the the black is kind of still very similar to like the Nets colors with just some color pop. Obviously, the white is too. But I just kind of like the black in Brooklyn and just the vibe it kind of gives off. But the white is really nice too. And I'd, I'd probably put the blue, red, and white ones last just because I like the design of both these really well. And I just like how... All, all the different colors in here kind of make it pop a little bit more. And they also made some really good appear, apparel with this stuff too. You know, like a lot of different t-shirts and hats and socks or whatever it might be. So I feel like there's more to do with multiple colors. Yeah, I mean, I'm itching to get to <laughs> the, the Nets swag store, which has been upgraded if I'm I'm not mistaken. Um, have you have you been there since it's like been all revamped and stuff? I don't believe so. Uh, last year when I was at the game, I was so focused on the task at hand <laughs> that uh, we were just, you know, just trying to enjoy the game. I went to the food stands and all that, but I didn't get to go to the shop. Oh, man, I got to no, I, I need a new shopping spree. So I literally already have a, an entire wardrobe of Brooklyn Nets gear. I've got tracksuit pants. I've got three, four hoodies and, and sweat neck and, and sweatshirts. Sorry, I've got about four, five, six tees, but I still need to add to it. So I need some Patty Mills up, some Killer Cam stuff. Um, to, to add to it and probably a couple of James Harden pieces as well. So can't wait to get there. Can't wait to spend some of my hard-earned cash and um, hopefully that is sooner rather than later. But Nick, I'll probably be getting some Nicholas Claxton merch as well. But he does, the the man out, uh, he, when he's active on Twitter, I like the little things he's putting out there when he's you know asking about his 2K rating um, and, and his likeness and such. But he's asking about defense, Nick. And Nick, I'll ask you the same question that Nicholas Claxton asked us all on Twitter. Is defense a skill? Yeah, I think it is. I think there's, I guess, uh, I mean, it is, and at the same time, it isn't. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the combination of your athleticism and your basketball IQ and, like, your mental understanding of the game of basketball. So the combination of both, I guess, does make it a skill. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of a really interesting question. I don't know. How do you look at it, Jack? I think it is because, look, it's like I, 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 the immediate thought that I have is when Jabari Parker signed in Chicago and it's like they didn't sign me to play defense. And it's just like, but basketball, look, we know that the importance on defense is not the same as, as offensively because, I mean, look at this Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, but you know, at least 50, 50, 24 minutes of the game is played on the other side of the floor. Half the possessions are played on the other side of the floor. So you have to have some level of skill there. Now, is intelligence and awareness a skill? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I also just do think the ability to make steals, the ability to disrupt defenders, the ability yep. to get up in a dude's jersey, to make blocks, to make defensive plays in the perimeter and the interior – those are skills, and Nicholas Claxton has a lot of them, Nick. And you said he's an all-defensive candidate. You know, I'm, I'm all there. I'll, I'll throw him in the Defensive Player of the Year candidacy as well because you're not brave enough to do that, and I'm all in <laughs> on Clax City, and um, hopefully the Clax City is I'm not brave a, enough to put out a lot of tweets that you put out, so God bless you. I put out a lot. Let's put it that way. And I mute him after, you know, about 20 minutes once I see 
um, <laughs> that we actually that they do get, to be honest. Um, that's been uh, my life on Twitter the past couple of days. But um, we also talked a little One bit about... One more on that, Jack, I would say, too, that kind of makes it a skill is just the fact that it requires, like, discipline, which is a skill, and then also just, like, fundamentals, like the way that you're able to put your body in a position, how fluid you really are. So I guess at the end of the day, it is a skill. It's probably more than... Like, I wouldn't categorize defense as a skill. I would break it down into different components of defense, and they're all kind of almost individual skills. Yeah, I mean, if you look at probably the game now doesn't probably have, you know, leeway to have to defensive only players, you know, whereas yeah. in SCU, you could have your Tony Allens, you could have, you know, Andre Robeson, you know, guys that didn't have the offensive game um, to be able to produce on the floor, whereas you need to have some sort of offensive pop. So, while defense is certainly a skill and 95, 96% of the people that were voting in Clax's uh, poll do agree, uh, I think that it's it's pretty goddamn important. I think Clax has a lot of those skills as well. But uh, Billy Reinhardt on Twitter, Nick, um, we talked a little bit about Clax, uh, thanks to Nick Boylan uh, throwing up uh, uh, trade possibilities in, in relation to him. But this was a, a different sort of scenario. He said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how safe is Nicholas Claxton's future with Brooklyn? He's obviously going to be a restricted free agent next summer. And the Nets have recently moved on from players like D'Lo, Jared Allen, and Spencer Dimity before they've had their paydays arrive. With an expensive payroll, you have to wonder. Nick, we love our rankings here. We love the percentages. I don't know how you want to go about it. We might even be introducing some semblance of ratings and grades throughout the regular season. But in relation to Nicholas Claxton, what is his future like with Brooklyn? And what is your confidence level of that? I guess it is a different question to what we already discussed um, in terms of like, you know, what is he going to get in return? This is more about Clax individually. How safe is he as a Brooklyn Nets player? I honestly think the answer is unavailable. I think Sean Marks is going to look at him going into the first couple months of the season and determine how he fits, how ready he really is. So if Clax plays well, I think, you know, when he fits in, he's getting rotation minutes early on. He's having that defensive impact. It'd be hard not to have him at like an eight. But if he's not playing well and he's not consistently in the rotation, you could easily talk me into under five. You know, it could be in the three and four range just because the role for him is unsure and everything is right now for the Nets. And, you know, like pointed out, the contract is coming and you don't want to pay for a pay for a guy that you don't really know if he's going to fit into the team or how fast he's going to develop or even what his health is going to look like. So if Clax is really booming early on then I think he's you know close to a 10. But if things aren't going well and he's not necessarily fitting in the rotation and finding that great role, you could talk me to something under a five. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about you know the, the glut at the center's rotation on the, the mailbag episode as well. But we strongly believe and strongly want Nick Claxton to get, to get the opportunity to prove himself. I'll go, I'll, 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 I'll put my name to it. I'll go a six and a half. You know, I can't really go a seven. Uh, I think that... Uh, I think he has, you know, a, a huge amount of upside. Like I said on the mailbag episode, go check that one out, guys. Some really good questions we got from some of our listeners. That the fact that he has an intangibility to him, he has an upside to him um, that a lot of our other centers don't have is something that is worth um, gambling on. Now, how much is Joe Sy going to be willing to pay? I think that that is going to be out of Nick Claxton's hands in some respects as well because it could be just the success of the team. If the Nets win a championship, you do see teams willingly go in the tax regularly because yep. you get all the merch that goes with it. Um, and obviously, you know, his future is probably the least uncertain on the roster right now. And, 
Um, that's probably why you're giving it an A, an a Nick, and I probably agree with your reasoning behind it. Uh, I, I want to see Clax because, like I said, bridging the gap with the future, having a young guy on the roster. Um, he's got a great relationship with all, a lot of the old guys, has an awesome mentality. Um, you know, he, I, he, he, I'm surprised that he doesn't have a, a deal with an apparel team yet. Uh, we'll have to get like Clax, in, Clax Incorporated. Um, we'll get some, some shoes for, for our guy, Clax City. And, uh, but in, in saying that, in terms of what his future is like with the Brooklyn Nets, it is uncertain to say the least, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what he can do to either solidify it or what the team could do to solidify it because, you know, I've been listening to some like off-season pods talking about extensions and such, and I know the guys on Dunked On were, weren't even willing to give him more than five, six million dollars just because you know, he hasn't proven himself enough, which I get that. Uh, but, you know, we've sort of spoken about it. It's the Robin, Robert Williams, Jared Allen range, maybe even less. You know, the Nets Yeah, I think it's run. less unless he really pops off, just given because even Robert Williams, who hasn't, who hasn't played a ton in the NBA, still has more tape out there, and you have a better idea of how he fits on teams and the impact that he could potentially have, where Clax, it's almost been such a small sample size, and I think there's still, you know, offensively he needs to, you know, prove a little bit more, get a little bit bigger as well. But at the end of the day, the best thing he has on this Nets roster to keep him safe is his unique ability defensively that no other big on the team really has at the capability that he has it. Absolutely, Clack City bitch. And we'll, <laughs> a couple of final one, a couple of final fun ones, Nick. Um, at Paul tweets too much. Who is a, a fun follow? Uh, put out a poll on who wins in this three v three tournament. He had KD, Bruce, and Killer Cam on one team. Harden, Patty, and Clax on another. And Kyrie, Joe, and Blake on another. Now it'd be a fun as hell three v three tournament to watch, Nick. But who are you picking out of this? Uh, these combinations. Yeah, I'd probably go with Katie, Bruce, and Cam. Obviously, Katie's the best player out of all this, and you could make an argument that Bruce is the best guard defender here, and the best players in the other teams are guards. Oh, you can argue that Clax is the best guard defender out of this, Nick. That's a, I mean, that's a fair argument I thought about. I was going to say wing, and then I'd lean to Clax, but I'd probably say with guard, like, I think Kyrie would probably put Clax in a mixer. Uh, I mean, he might do it to Bruce Brown, too, and Harden's going to manipulate him a little bit, but... um. You know, Harden and Patty and Clax would probably be my second choice, and Kyrie, Joe, and Blake would probably be my last choice. But I just go with Kevin Durant, just given, especially if it's make it, take it. Like, no one's going to really guard him out of all this, and it's just going to be. And then you got Cam Thomas, who might just pop off as well. I know that you're probably going to pick Harden, Patty, and Clax. I mean, I'm just, I am picking Harden, <laughs> Patty, and Clax, just because I think there's a bit of balance standing. I think Patty's going to hit all those shots. He's going to make life tough for Kyrie, I think. You know, I think when it comes to sort of like, you know, individual matchups, Paddy shows a lot. And we, we saw that at the Olympics most recently. And we've seen it in his time in San Antonio as well. Claxon, obviously, you know, all the reasons that we've said about um, Nicholas Claxon in the past episode or two, super duper high on him. And James Harden, I just think that he just knows how to get buckets. And, you know, I, mean, I think he knows KD and Kyrie. I think he's too strong for Kyrie. And I think he's a, a little bit savvy uh, for, for KD as well. So I think that... Harden as the leader of that squad. You know, I'm going hard and patty and clacks. Not to say that I don't love my dude KD, and not to say that I don't love Kai, Joe, and Blake either. Uh, but I think that was a really fun question, and that's why I'm on the HPC bandwagon. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I think I would just look at it as like um, I would put KD on clacks, which I think he'd handle pretty easily. Then you put Bruce Brown on James Harden in that situation. Then it's really the Cam Thomas and Patty Mills matchup where if you replace Cam Thomas with somebody who is a 
even a slightly better defender. Obviously, we don't really know what Cam Thomas is going to be defensively. Then I think the KD team's a lock. But just given that Cam's such kind of a wild card in that situation, I can't believe we're diving this deep into a, a poll. Yes. But, but uh, that would probably be where you're you're kind of a little nervous. But at the same time, we saw Kevin Durant push the Bucks to Game 7 essentially by himself. Yeah, the practices will be as good as the, the the dream team practices that we heard about in 1992. So I need to get some some film footage there or move to New York when um, people are allowed in there. But Nick, final one I wanted to throw you, another fun one. I put out a tweet uh, about a month ago uh, where it was the Avengers Assemble and with the whole camera going around them. And obviously I listed Kevin Orant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Nicholas Claxton, Bruce Brand, and Patty Mills. Um, and I had a response into terms of who, which player matched each Avenger. Iron Man, James Hart, Captain America, Kevin Durant, Thor, Kyrie Irving, Hulk, Nicholas Claxton, Hawkeye, Patty Mills, Black Widow, Bruce Brown. Thoughts on this, Nick? Replace any names, change any roles, so to speak. I, I honestly could probably do this for an entire episode, so it's going to be hard for me to summarize it into a couple of different things. Um, I mean, I get the idea of Kevin Durant as Captain America, but it's more so probably from the leadership perspective. It's not like Cap has necessarily, like, the versatility that a Kevin Durant has, and I wouldn't call him the best Avenger either. So that's where I'm kind of like, ah, eh. I, I don't mind the James Harden Iron Man thing because he's kind of a polarizing person. Same thing with James Harden. A lot of people think he's the best, and some people think he's terrible. You get that a lot with Iron Man as well. Thor and Kyrie Irving do make sense because when you know Thor pops off, he really pops off. When Kyrie pops off, he really pops off. But he also both has these Australian. both Australian, and they both also just have these moments where. They kind of get in their own head type of thing. You know what I mean? And that happens to Kyrie Irving, whatever he's dealing with and things along those lines. Um, Hulk and Nick Claxton, can't really see that one. I mean, just because the Hulk is kind of just like super aggressive in that type of mindset. I mean, I guess I could see because they're just like based off of their their body and their physicals more so than their skill and their peak where it's just kind of like we're going to do this task we're going to do it really well i kind of like bruce brown as hulk a little bit more just because of the tenacity and just like the ability or even like blake griffin to an extent just because he's like a little bit of an ass um hawkeye and patty mills that's a fine comparison. For some reason, I kind of find it disrespectful to Patty Mills because he can do more than shoot. Like <laughs> <laughs> for the Disney Plus show for Hawkeye, and I think yeah. that be able to uh, give plenty of credit to, to Patty Mills and Jeremy Renner. Yeah, and I mean Black Widow as Bruce Brown isn't terrible either. I mean, not my favorite choice, but I, if you're trying to fit them all into this situation, that might work right there. What do you think, yeah. of Jack? Look, I'll throw Black Panther in, into the mix. I think Kyrie Irving's a bit more of a Black Panther, and I'll give Paddy Mills Thor because he's more Australian. He's got the sort of point-break sort of vibe to him. Um, and look, this is a question, again, I, I could discuss quite a lot, Nick. I'm up to Avengers Endgame. I like Kyrie as Doctor Strange a little bit just because of just, like, the ego there and then also just, like, it's kind of mystical to an extent. The way he does things is very unique and also can be emotional and a little, I guess, just overly cocky, and that's kind of something you see with Kyrie Irving too. Yeah, and funnily enough, uh, watching Infinity War a couple of nights ago, you know the the individual moves and the bag that Doctor Strange had when yes. going up against my boy Thanos. Um, man, he had just he was turning shit into freaking flowers and butterflies. Uh, my dude, Doctor Strange has got some when skills. When he multiplies himself against Thanos, that was pretty tough. I was so tough. Big fan of Doctor Strange. A lot of love uh, for Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I'll also throw Nicholas Claxton as a Spider-Man, just because there's some youthful exuberance that I think both of them have. Um, and Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, and Nicholas Claxton is one of my favorite basketball players. So I think that that is the alliance and the allegiance that I have with both of those guys too. 
I think it works too is because both guys are underdeveloped. Like it's not peak level Spider-Man. It's not peak level Nick Claxton. They both could turn into really great things. I don't know if Claxton's ceiling is as high as Spider-Man's, but you know, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> By the time No Way Home comes out, Nick, we might have to uh, revisit this exercise and throw in based some Based off of the cast and the rumors for that movie, we might be able to just do an episode based off of Spider-Man characters and not even Avengers. I uh, mean, if you want to check out some more Spider-Man content, JBT, we uh, did a bit of a, a drop bench start of the, the three Spider-Mans in the Spider-Man universe, which was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll, we'll try and get a few no, fun... You definitely got me. I, mean, I was going to listen anyways, but now I feel like I need to listen more urgently because I'm I'm going to be upset if it's not what I want, Jack. Yeah, if you're just a Marvel fan and you don't want to hear me talk about general NBA stuff, we did speak about Kyrie Irving um, as well at the top of the episode. But that was a fun episode, as was this one, Nick. Don't want to keep you from your Packers, and hopefully Aaron Rodgers bounces back. Um, I don't know anything about NFL football. Um, I hate when my timeline gets flooded with all the content because I just want to find some goddamn basketball and pop culture tweets. But yay, football. Yay, football. Hopefully the Packers get the dub tonight. But, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the buzz on all streaming platforms. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.